Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. When trouble starts brewing, do you start worrying? In the words of a certain TV psychologist, How's that working out for you? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah looks at the futility of worry and offers some biblical tools to help you overcome it. From the series, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, here's David with the conclusion of his message, How Can I Get Victory Over Worry? Well, friends, thank you for joining us for this Monday edition. We're finishing up the discussion that we began on Friday about getting victory over worry. Our passage is Matthew chapter 6, but there's another passage in the book of Philippians that says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And then it goes on to say that if we do that, God will guard our hearts. He will actually be a sentinel in front of our hearts. I remember someone saying there's these circles. In one of them, there's nothing. That's worry. And the other, there's everything. That's prayer. And then they went on to say, worry about nothing, pray about everything. A good key to getting on with life. We'll get started with the final thoughts about worry in just a moment. But I want to tell you about this book that we're offering during the month of May. This book represents a kind of Bible teaching that I have truly enjoyed Throughout all of my ministry, I think I feel closer to people when I'm dealing with their most heartfelt questions. And where there are question marks in our minds and spirits, we need the truths and promises of the Scripture. I can't tell you how important it will be to you to have this information in a hardback 230-page book. And we want to send it to you. All you have to do is send a gift of any size and ask for your copy of this book, and it'll be on its way. The byline of this book, the little subtitle is, Let God Turn Your Question Marks Into Exclamation Points. I hope we can do some of that during this series, and we're trying to do that these two days with the subject of worry, and we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew 6 once again today. Here's part two of How Can I Get Victory Over Worry? Worry is inconsistent. And it's irrational. But here is the whole core of it. The middle point of the five is the key point. It's ineffective. It doesn't work. Worry never accomplished anything, and it never will. The only thing it does is destroy the person who does it. And listen to what Jesus is saying in verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his statue? 
What Jesus is saying, why are you doing something that doesn't work? A cubit was 18 inches. He's saying, you can't worry yourself into being 18 inches taller than you are. I'd be over seven foot by now. And some scholars believe he's not even talking about the span of 18. He's talking about the length of life. He's saying, which of you can add one day or one hour or one minute to your life by worrying? We've had illustrations in recent days of some of the wealthiest people who ever walked on this earth, and they died, and they couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't worry themselves into one more day. And one scholar has said, wow, you cannot add any days to your life by worrying. You sure can subtract some. And he went on to say that in the graveyards of America are many Bible-believing Christians who stole 10 or 15 years from God as a useful servant because they just worried themselves into a grave before their time. Jesus is saying that you cannot use worry to accomplish your goal. It's futile to worry. And if you try it, all it will do is ruin your life and you will never accomplish anything with it. Worry is inconsistent. It's irrational. It's ineffective. Now, in verse 28 and 30, it's illogical. Listen to this. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus perhaps was standing where the lilies of the field could be seen. And he says to them, look at these lilies. They don't even toil. They don't spin. And look how they are adorned. He says they're more beautiful than all of the beauty of Solomon, great kingly robes. And if your Father in heaven would take such great care of the lilies of the field, do you not think he cares about you? If God takes care of that which only has a short lifespan, it says in the text, they grow and then they're destroyed. Ladies and gentlemen, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're eternal. If God will take such great care of the temporal, don't you think he's going to take great care of the eternal? And finally, and this is kind of what you might call in your face grace here, this last one. This is really a hard one, but I have to share it to you because this is what Jesus said. Worry is irresponsible. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. But your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Now, the word Gentile in the text is often translated by the word pagan. It's a reference to anybody who doesn't know God or doesn't follow God. Jesus' words are stunning. He says, When you worry, you act like a pagan. You act like somebody who doesn't know God. You act like you don't have a family and you don't have a father. You act like you're an orphan. This is what they do before they know God. Now you know God. Now you're a part of God's family. He's your father. You're in his family. So don't live like you don't have a father because you do. Don't act like you're an orphan because you're not. Remember When you worry about things that might happen, you're functioning like someone who doesn't have a family or a father, 
But you have a father, and your father loves you, and he will care for you, and he knows what you have as needs, and he plans to fulfill them. So instead of worrying about these things, why don't you talk to your father about them? In the Lord's Prayer, we read these words, Father in heaven, ellipsis, give us this day our daily bread. Let me just say something to you all, because this is so profound and so simple. It is amazing to me how many of God's people go through the problems of life that create worry in their own hearts and never, ever tell God about their problems. I think some Christians are embarrassed to go before the throne in heaven and say, Lord God, I'm having a real struggle here and I need your help. I believe if you read the Psalms of the Old Testament, you'll see David pouring out his heart to God in every imaginable situation you can come up with. And they aren't veiled prayers. They're not nice prayers. They're gut-level prayers. Lord God, I need help. So let me just suggest to you, you have a Father in heaven. You have a family on earth. Both of them are created to be helpful to you. And don't try to do all this by yourself, by worrying, because it's going to get you nowhere. You're in the family. Ask yourself who you are. Step up and be counted as a child of God. So that's Jesus' take on worry. That's given to us to help us understand it. Remember, it's inconsistent, it's irrational, it's ineffective, it's illogical, and it's irresponsible. And that's why Jesus says, don't do it. But now, in a loving way, He helps us not only to understand worry, but he gives us a couple of things to help us overcome worry. This is really the core of what I want to say to you today. First thing he says is, commit your life totally to Jesus Christ, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the word at the beginning of the verse needs something before it. So it would read like this. Don't worry. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is Jesus saying here? He is saying, instead of worrying about food, drink, and dress, seek first the kingdom of God. Let us commit our work and our plans and ourselves and our lives and our loved ones and our influence and everything we have into the hand of God. When you get all done doing that, there's nothing left to worry about. If you put it all into the hand of God and say, Lord, I am yours. My family is yours. My business is yours. My life is yours. My health is yours. I give it all to you. Lord, I'm asking you to manage it for me and help me understand what you're doing. I know that's not an easy thing to do. And don't ever think you can do that once and for all and never have to do it again. You do it pretty much every day, don't you? You get up in the morning and say, Lord, this day is yours. My children are yours. My wife is yours. My ministry is yours. My health is yours. And you give it to God. You see, if you give it to God, you can't keep reaching in and taking it back. You give it to God and say, I'm going to trust you with it. And the next thing you know, you're worrying about it. What you've done is taken it back from God. No, Jesus is absolutely right. He says, commit your way to the Lord. Give him everything and trust him with it. I remember hearing about a businessman who's going through some rough times in his business. And he was a worrier. And he was keeping up at night. He was getting ulcers. and He wasn't going to make it if something didn't happen. It was just burning him out. One day he walked into his office at work, and as he walked in, something hit him. He saw his desk, and behind the desk, the big chair that he sat in during the day. And he paused in front of that desk, and he said, Lord God, you sit in that chair. You be the CEO of this company. You call the shots today. I'm giving it all to you. And he visualized in his mind the Lord Jesus Christ sitting at the chair 
of the CEO in his company. In essence, that's what we all have to do. Who is seated on the throne of your life? It's either you or God. If it's you, you're going to worry a lot. But if you can learn how, over the long haul, to put your life in the hands of Almighty God, that's the first step. That's the long view. Now, Jesus is going to add to that what we might call the short view. And the short view tells you to concentrate your energies on living one day at a time. Notice verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Every day we have in life is going to come with some adversity, some things designed that will make us anxious. So in order to avoid being overwhelmed, Jesus says we need to teach ourselves how to live in daytight compartments. <laughs> live every day unto itself. Because if you start living tomorrow, it's not going to work. John Stott said it this way, One day's trouble is enough for one day, or each day has troubles enough of its own. So why anticipate them? If you do, you will double them. For if you fear something and it does not materialize, you have worried for nothing. And if it does materialize, you have worried twice instead of once. In both cases, it's foolish because worry doubles your trouble. <laughs> do you see that? If you worry about something that you think is going to happen tomorrow, you pay for it today, and it may not happen tomorrow, but you've already paid for it, and that's not fair. But if it does happen tomorrow, now you've already worried about it once, and you've got to worry about it twice. Live every day unto itself. Teach yourself how to live each day. And you know, all of us have to do that. I do that. I get up sometimes at the beginning of a week and I see what's before me and I think in my heart, Lord God, how am I ever going to do this? And I'm reminded, I don't have to do this week. I just have to do today. And he has never failed me, ever, to strengthen me to do what I needed to do for this day. It's when you start thinking about weeks instead of days that you get yourself into trouble. Jesus said, sufficient unto the day is the trouble. Every day has its own trouble. So deal with the trouble of today, today. Don't worry about it yesterday and don't worry about tomorrow, today. Deal with every day, one day at a time. You say, well, pastor, that's hard. It's true. But Jesus wouldn't tell us to do it if we couldn't do it. Well, you say... What does it mean to worry about other things than the things that happen today? Well, do you know some people I know, they dwell on all their tomorrows. They worry about everything that happened yesterday. There's a powerful verse in the Scripture in the Old Testament that I've sort of claimed as a verse for me. And here's what it says. Deuteronomy 33:25. As your days, so shall your strength be. Now, there's probably some other ways to interpret that, but here's what I get from that. As your days, so your strength will be. I often think, how am I going to do this thing that's tomorrow? But I've come to realize I don't have to worry about the strength I need for tomorrow because I'm living today. When I get to tomorrow, as my days, so will my strength be. God doesn't give us life months and weeks at a time. He's organized life around a 24-hour period. Some of it's supposed to be for resting and the rest it for living. And we're to live our days in those 24-hour compartments as much as possible. That's what we're to do. This is a wonderful muscular reminder to all of us that each day has its own need and its own supply. 
Mark Twain once said, I am an old man and I've known a great many troubles and most of them never happened. (laughs) At the close of World War II, the Allies were gathering all the hungry, homeless war orphans and bringing them into war camps, providing sufficient clothing and food. And the little tykes couldn't sleep at night and they couldn't figure it out and they finally realized that they were afraid they would wake up tomorrow and there wouldn't be any food because they'd been hungry for so long one of the doctors came up with an idea of placing in the hand of each child before he got into bed a slice of fresh bread and tell each child you couldn't eat it until tomorrow and the effect was electrifying they slept soundly They had been concerned about where the next meal was coming from, and they had known hunger so much. Now at last they could go to sleep without concern. They had a crust of bread in their hands that would be there for them tomorrow. Likewise, our good shepherd has made provision for our tomorrows. He loves his flock. He knows where the water is. He knows where the bread is. He knows where the shelter is. And you can trust him for tomorrow. So don't dwell on your tomorrows. And don't dwell on your yesterdays. Oh, how many people ruin their lives with a faulty yesterday. When you look over your shoulders and you begin to dwell on the yesterdays of your life, you will usually settle down on one of three things. You will worry about your sins that you committed, which is crazy because God's already promised that if you ask him to forgive you, he puts them as far as the east is from the west and removes your transgressions from you. Psalm 103 verse 12. The Bible says he buries him in the deepest sea, puts a sign up outside that says, no fishing here. So don't worry about yesterday's sins if they're forgiven. And don't worry about yesterday's successes. I know a lot of people who've had a great deal of success in the past, and it isn't being replicated in the present, so they worry about yesterday's successes. Don't do that. Your successes in the past don't help you now. They just are a good model for you. You never heard a football coach walk into a team that's just won seven games in a row and say, I want us to spend some time today concentrating on all the success we've had these first seven games. Nobody cares about your yesterday's successes. They want to know, what are you going to do today? God doesn't give us a promise that he will deal with yesterday's successes. That's yesterday. This is today. Live today. And then... Some people never get over yesterday's sorrows, and I say this delicately, but I want to say it. I know a woman in the church where I was in Fort Wayne who mourned for her husband for seven and a half years. Every time you were with her, all she talked about was her dead husband. Well, I think you should mourn your husband. I think if you lose your husband, there's a proper time to mourn him in sorrow. I'm not trying to be indelicate about this. But Almighty God left you on this earth not to be a sorrower. He left you on this earth to serve him, and you need to do what you do to mourn the loss of a loved one, however that is, and then draw a line in the sand and say, it's time for me to get on with my life and serve God because he left me here for a purpose. I promise you that's what your spouse would want you to do. So you can't live in yesterday's sorrows. You can't live in yesterday's successes, and you can't live in yesterday's sins. you got to live today in this day. I have a little thing that I wrote down. I keep close at hand. I know I've shared this with you before, but it's worth repeating. One would-be worrier pictured it this way. 
I was regretting the past and fearing the future, and suddenly my Lord was speaking. My name is I Am. He paused, and I waited. He continued, When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it is hard, for I am not there. My name is not I was. When you live in the future with its problems and fears, it is hard, because my name is not I will be. But when you live in this moment, it is not hard, for I am here. My name is I Am. Jesus is telling us to focus our concern on today, to put our concerns, efforts, and energies in all that we have into this day. This is the key that will lock the door on worry and open the door to peace. Focus your concern upon this day. Give this day to the Lord. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And your strength will be sufficient for each day. Sufficient unto the day are the strength that God gives you. I've lived many weeks when I didn't know how I was going to make it through Monday, but I did. And then Tuesday came, and my energy was replenished, and I was able. And by the time I got to Thursday or Friday, I was living on the top of the mountain. We don't ever want to assess how things are going to be three or four days from now based on how we feel today. Just live your day, give God the glory, and the next day you will be fine. I read about a pastor who was on a long cross-country flight When the first sign of problems began to flash, all of us have experienced this. Fasten your seatbelts. Then a few seconds later, a calm voice said, we won't be serving the beverages at this time. We're expecting a little turbulence. Be sure your seatbelts are fastened. And then the storm broke. Cracks of thunder could be heard even above the roar of the engines. Lightning lit up the darkening skies, and within moments the plane was like a cork being tossed around on a heavenly ocean. One moment the airplane was lifted up on the currents and the next moment it dropped as if it was going to crash to the earth. The pastor confessed that he shared the worry and fear of those around him. He said, I looked around the plane. I saw that a lot of passengers were upset. Some were crying. Many were praying. He said, then I saw a little girl. She had tucked her feet beneath her as she sat on her seat and she was reading a book. Everything around her was going crazy, and there she sat with her little small world, calm and orderly. Sometimes she would close her eyes, and then she would read again, and then she would straighten her legs, but worry and fear weren't in her at all. So the pastor couldn't believe it. He couldn't figure this out, and he decided to figure it out himself, so he waited until the plane landed, and when it got to its destination, he waited in the area outside of the gate, and all the passengers were hurrying to disembark. And he asked the little girl if he could speak to her for a moment. And he asked her why she had not been worried while she was in the midst of a storm. And the little girl said, because my daddy is the pilot. (laughs) And he's taken me home. And she was in perfect peace because she knew her father was trustworthy. And she wasn't worried at all. In the midst of all that we face, isn't that it? In that, I am sure, is why we have this wonderful verse from Isaiah. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. In the midst of our storm, we need to look up and notice that the cockpit is occupied and Almighty God is in control. And we can rest secure in him. 
This ship we're on is rocking right now with all the stuff that's happening in the world. But we can learn to have that quiet peace that little girl had if we'll put our trust in the Lord. Amen. Amen. I hope you will do that. And uh, maybe you should just right now take a moment and give your worries to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm tired of worrying. I'm going to turn this over to you. I'm going to trust you to take care of me and give me the wisdom I need to live life. I think there are a lot of folks who are at that spot right now because of COVID and all the other things that are happening in our world. And uh, I want you to know you can't out-trust God. No matter how much trust you put in Him, you will never be disappointed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He's there for you and for me as well. Well, tomorrow, we're going to talk about how can I find forgiveness? Here's one of the questions that plagues people. Uh, how to be forgiven for something they've done to someone else, for something they feel they've done to God? Where do you find forgiveness as a Christian? I'll show you the key passage. We'll talk about the dynamics of it right here tomorrow on this program. In the meantime, if you haven't already ordered the book, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, here's the way you do that. You just send a gift of any size. We don't want anybody not to be able to get this book because they can't afford it. So we don't put a price on it. We trust those of you who have resources to do your best and send a generous gift. And by doing that, you enable us to make this available to everyone. So when you send your gift, simply ask for the book, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, and this book will be on its way to you before you know it. You'll have everything we've talked about and will talk about in this series and there's a study guide between every chapter, at the end of every chapter. It's just a great resource, and we're thankful for the privilege of making it available to you. See you tomorrow. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. How has your life been impacted by this ministry? Let us know by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098. Delta BC V4L 2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, and learn to live with greater confidence. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, here on Turning Point. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. 
Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible.